Hi, and welcome to the Frugal Debt-Free Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Sin. I am a mom, a wife, an entrepreneur, and I am passionate about living a frugal, debt-free life. And in this podcast, we have real discussions about real money because life does not always fit inside of a cash envelope. Today, I wanted to share with you seven things I wish I had done with my money in my 20s. Some of these are things... I was just young and didn't think impacted me. Some of them were things that I wasn't super educated about, and some of these were things that I was just lazy about. But I'm not making this list to shame myself. I'm not making this list to shame you. So my first thing that I wish I had done was not waiting to invest. Now, I put money into my company's 401k, but I only did a little bit, enough to get the match, so like 2%. I didn't invest in index funds. I didn't open an IRA. I just did the very bare minimum, and I wish I had started sooner. See, I was under the common misconception that you have to have a lot of money to invest and that you have to have this super mathematical brain filled with innate investing knowledge, and neither one of those things is true. Because, in fact, the younger you start, the better off you'll be. If you're just putting a little bit in your retirement or in investing or in savings when you're young, that grows. Compound interest, it grows. And over the course of your lifetime, even if you put in less, the fact that you started earlier means that you're at an advantage over a 35-year-old who started later. So start with your match, grow from there. Open some accounts outside of your employer. Learn how to roll things over if you lose your job or if you leave that company for something better, which I hope you all do. I hope you all grow in your careers. But start gaining some knowledge, which kind of brings me to number two was I thought, I'm too uneducated about money to learn. This is not something, this is something that only smart, super sophisticated people know how to do or I need to work with an expert. Well, yeah, working with an expert is great, and hiring a financial advisor to coach you through things is certainly great, but you don't have to be an expert. And while educational inequality exists, I mean, we can look at that when we compare state-by-state educational standards, or we look at educational standards by city. We can't deny that educational inequality exists. And we also know that there needs to be more financial literacy taught in schools that is required and not an elective. But that's a different video for a different day. That's something that I have been advocating for where I live for years at any rate. But we also live in an age of information when we can pick up a phone, Google anything, and find the answers. And there's an incredible website called Investopedia, not sponsored, where you can find all this information on how to invest, how to pick out an index fund, how to pick out a Roth IRA. The investing question you could have could be found there. And so I feel like for some of us, we don't have an excuse anymore because any answer we want is right there at our fingertips. So research for yourself, advocate for yourself. And then when you're in a position where you are financially literate and you are financially knowledgeable, advocate for those who aren't and teach them. Number three, make savings a habit. When that paycheck hits, things need to be divided up. When that paycheck hits, one of the first numbers that comes off the top needs to be savings, even when you're in debt, even when you're in debt. 
keep saving money. And if it's just five, 10 or $20 a week, if you save $20 a week at the end of the year, you have $1,040. But when we make savings a habit, we're prioritizing ourselves when it comes to money because, and I don't know who originated this quote, but I say it all the time. The only money your future self has is the money that you give her. And so it's important in these years where we still have energy and motivation to put money aside for when we can't, for the future person that can't work, that doesn't have motivation, that doesn't have energy, that is dependent upon us to make wise choices now. Next, thinking I deserved it. I work hard. I deserve this. Now, yes, we do need to reward ourselves for hard work. This is not me saying that you go to work, work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, come home to a dark house, don't go anywhere, don't do anything fun. Although right now, aren't we all doing that? Not going anywhere, doing anything fun. But it doesn't mean you can't enjoy your lives intentionally. You can go on vacation, you can buy a new couch, you can go to concerts when they reopen, if they ever do. You can do whatever you wanna do with your money. But do it with intention. Do it with, I am worth the time that it takes to save up for this. Flip the narrative from, I work hard, I deserve this, to I am worth the time and effort it takes to save up this money for what I really want. Next, not using credit wisely. So I don't think credit cards are evil or the devil. I think that they are a tool but in the wrong hands, they are a weapon against ourselves. And I am not always the right hands. And so I, if I had learned younger how to manage credit wisely and how to use it as a tool, I think I would have fallen into some better habits than I did. And I wasn't raised in a household where credit was villainized. My parents have credit cards. They never held debt on those credit cards. I'm the type of person that if I don't see that money physically leave my bank account, I don't feel accountable for it. And I need accountability. Even if I'm just accountable to myself, I need to see that number in my ledger get smaller. Whereas with a credit card, it's not the same. You get, I mean, you can log in and look, but you get a bill at the end of the month. Whereas with my bank account, I can see that number get smaller. I reconcile it every day. I make sure that I have enough to cover my expenses. It's the same reason I don't use cash envelopes. I don't have immediate accountability to see that number get smaller. But I have learned that you have to have a credit score to survive. It's not, I mean, yes, you can get a mortgage without one. We had a manually written, underwritten mortgage. Now that I'm older and wiser and have moved on in my life, I know how important a credit score is, why it's important to maintain a good one. I know people call it an I love debt score, um, but there are other ways outside of debt to have a good credit score. And I actually did a video about that too if you wanna go watch it, or maybe it's a blog post, I don't remember. There's a link somewhere to it, okay? Next, thinking finance was boring. So I have talked about this before. Anytime someone asks, how do I get my husband on board or my boyfriend on board with budgeting? I say, I don't know, honey, to get me on board because I was bored. Money bored me, finances bored me. Like, ugh, we can talk about the stock market and investing and an annual rate of return. Ugh, please, no thank you. But when you tell me about all the stuff I can do with money when I have it, and I start breaking it down in goals, oh yeah, 
that makes sense. Money isn't something that's boring for well-educated, stuffy Ivy League people. Anyone can manage money. Anyone. Some of the smartest, most financially savvy people I know have no higher education. So anyone can be good with money and learn about finances. Next is not prioritizing saving off debt. We were in debt for a long time before we started buckling down and prioritizing paying off student loans and all the other debts we had. And I wish that we had started as soon as we graduated. I didn't have student loans. Um, I had some scholarships, I worked, and my parents had put a little bit aside for me. Um, my husband had a massive amount of student loans, which he, we've talked about this before, but he had scholarships. He still took out student loans to pay for living expenses, which is a really bad idea. If you are fortunate enough to have scholarships that cover your actual tuition, don't take out extra just for living expenses. If you need to, like, I understand why student loans exist, and I think that we all should work to avoid them, but I also get that that is not reasonable or feasible for a lot of the population, so I don't want to be like, student loans are bad if you take them out, you're stupid. Like, let's live in reality, okay? Um, but taking out more than we need is unwise, and let's not do that, please. And then finally, I didn't talk about finances with my husband for a very long time. I didn't want to. And I, this is something that I've said before. Arguing about money isn't great, but arguing about it is certainly better than pretending your financial problems don't exist. Ignoring them, pretending our financial problems don't exist isn't going to make them go away. And having hard conversations, as, as bad as it feels, is important. If you have trouble talking to your spouse about money, I highly recommend that you go check out His and Her Money. That's a great channel with lots of resources about that. I'm not the person to ask because my situation was in reverse, but I can tell you that one of the ways that helped was that my husband was very respectful to me. He was respectful of my opinion. He knew that if he pushed me, I would not listen, and he didn't force things on me. He just sent simply led by example. He didn't wait for me to catch up. At the time, we didn't have joint bank accounts, and he started doing things with his money that made sense, and I caught on and started doing the same. Everyone is going to do that. Not everyone's going to listen. That's how it is when you're a flawed human living with another flawed human. You can't force an adult to do something they don't want to do. Um, and I, that's something that a lot of couples run into. Okay, that's it. That's all I have to say about this. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with me and for listening. I appreciate every single one of you for being here. Thank you to everyone who has left a review of this podcast. That is how people find out about it. And Thank you for helping it grow. I never check the statistics or the analytics on here, but when I do, I am always excited to see the number of people who are listening and the amount of repeat listens, and that just makes me happy. So thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. It means a lot. I appreciate you being here. If you want to leave a review, you can just swipe up on the artwork of whatever it is, wherever it is you're listening to, and leave a review there. You can also find me online at frugaldebtfreelife.com or on Instagram and YouTube. I am Lydia Sin. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with me, and I will talk to you soon.